Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, hey, intro hasn't even rolled yet, right? Well, just a warning. After I finished this whole podcast, I did this bit. And I sunk so much time and energy and production value into this bit that I kept it. So I hope you enjoy it. I'm not even sure if it works. And because I did so much and I'm trying to keep this show fresh, I left it in there. If you love it, great. If you don't, tough. It's not that long. All right, guys. Let's get to the show. Ooh, yeah! Woo! Heck yeah, baby! Gives to Sproles, angling left, has room, 15, 10, 5, jackpot! He got it! He got it! He got it! The play should have been ruled a fumble. (laughs) Ha 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 ha! Shitter! Touchdown, Antonio Gates! 112 career touchdown catches. That's the most by an NFL tight end all time. I would have hoped that people would have figured it out. I just like to play football. This is Score More with Garrett Sister. We are back. Score more podcast after a fun game last week. Man, that Sunday night game was something else. At Score More Pod, 
That's where we're at on Twitter. Appreciate everybody listening. This thing's climbing and growing every week, so I appreciate you guys sticking with me. And because I predicted the Steelers to win last week, which was kind of a big deal. It was a swing game. It was an important game. It had playoff implications. And I was wrong. And because I was wrong, I must atone. So it's time for me to man up, pay the piper, and get what's coming to me. A sinner comes before you. Garrett House Scoreboard. He has committed the acts of falsehood and untruthfulness. He has confessed to these actions and begged for forgiveness. We now play for the people the prediction in question. And I hate to say it, but I think the Chargers lose this game. The Steelers team is angry after a brutal loss in Denver. They're at home in prime time with something to prove. I think the Steelers win 26-17. To demonstrate his repentance, he will cast aside all pride, all artifice, and present himself as the gods made him. To you, the good people and listeners of this podcast, wrong score predictions come with a price. Therefore, he comes before you with a solemn heart, shorn of secrets, to make this walk of atonement. I'd just like to say, I don't feel like this is necessary just because I predicted the Steelers to win. But like the Lannisters, I always pay my debts. So here I am. To walk. Shane, hold up. You're not a real fan. Shane, do a podcast anyway. Shane. Was that a beer bottle? Who's throwing Shane. bottles? Yeah, Score predictions are Shane. dumb. And so are you. You know nothing about football. Shane. You smell weird. <laughs> It's good to be back. I never want to get another score prediction wrong again. I was terrible. I think a little kid called me ugly. Never again. Good, my son. Never go against the Chargers again. Shame. All right, let's get into this injury report. We'll start with the Chargers. And Austin Eckler, Mike Pouncey were full goes this week. Brandon Meebane, back at it. Back with the Chargers. He was a limited participant on Wednesday. It was not injury related, so that's good. Trevor Williams was a limited participant on Wednesday as well. Melvin Gordon did not practice on Wednesday, nor should he play this week. So just sit him down. He was on the field making some cuts. We saw some videos. Good. Progress is good. You're hoping he's back by that Thursday night game against the Chiefs, but do not rush him back this week. Let Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler carry that load. Please, Anthony Lynn. 
sit Melvin Gordon. So he didn't practice on Wednesday. And the tight end Sean Colkin also did not practice on Wednesday with a back injury. Moving on to the Bengals. The big news. A.J. Green, the wide receiver, their star wide receiver, top 10 wide receiver in the league, if not top 5, done for the year. They shut him down, put him on IR this week. The Chargers will not see A.J. Green. So, for the limited participants, Joe Mixon, the running back, limited with a foot injury. The wide receiver, Josh Malone, limited with a hamstring injury. Defensive end, Michael Johnson was limited. He has a pectoral injury. And a big one, Carlos Dunlap, the defensive end, and a very good one at that, was limited on Sunday. For the did-not-practices, there's a lot. A.J. Green, like I mentioned, did not practice. Cordy Glenn, the tackle, did not practice. Their linebacker, Vontez Burfick, out with a concussion. He did not practice on Wednesday. Tony McRae, a corner, he was concussed as well, did not practice. And Dre Kirkpatrick, their other starting cornerback, did not practice with an ankle injury. So important names there. A.J. Green is out. Cordy Glenn, the tackle, did not practice. He didn't play last week. Vontez Perfect did not practice. He was banged up most of the game last week against the Broncos. Dre Kirkpatrick, one of the starting corners, did not practice. There are some important names on that list. And that does it for the injury report. All right, score morons, let's get into this breakdown. The Bengals started off hot. They were 4-1 and one out of the gate. Since then, they've gone 1-6, and six, riding a four-game losing streak. They are 5-7 and seven on the year, heading into this matchup with the Chargers. And we're going to get right into it and start with a QB. And it's a different name and a different face. I'm going to be focusing on that Bengals matchup last week against the Broncos because we kind of got our first taste of Jeff Driscoll. He's the new starter. Andy Dalton is out for the year. He tore a ligament in the thumb on his throwing hand. He got surgery done last week. I think it was last Tuesday. He's done for the year. He'll be back in 2019. I'm sure the Bengals will actually be looking for a quarterback in the draft in 2019. But Jeff Driscoll will be the starter on Sunday. In Driscoll's career debut as a starter, he went 25 for 37, had 236 yards with a touchdown and an interception picked off by the Broncos safety Justin Simmons. For a start, Driscoll actually did pretty good considering all the self-inflicted wounds they sustained that game. We'll get into that in a little bit. He made some good throws, but the most glaring issue with Jeff Driscoll was the playbook. And that's not even his problem. Marvin Lewis kept the playbook pretty vanilla for Driscoll. I think it's going to be a little hard for the Chargers to scout Driscoll only because the play calling felt like a preseason game. It kind of seemed like they didn't want to show their hand. It's the regular season. Got to put it all on the table now, but who knows if Lewis will open up the playbook this week. Driscoll only averaged 4.7 yards per attempt, so the second level of this defense will get a lot of work this week. Not going to see a lot of deep stuff, I don't think. At least he probably won't. There was a lot of dump-offs, safe passes, easy routes, nothing too complicated. Get it out, throw it. You know, kind of what you do with a rookie in their first start. Driscoll, his first career start, got a real vanilla playbook. Let's see if Lewis cracks it open because Marvin Lewis's job is on the line. They got to start winning games. They're five and seven. They're third in the division behind the Steelers and Ravens. They got to get going here soon. At some point, if Lewis wants to save his job again, which seems like he does it every year, <laughs> but uh, 
We'll see about Jeff Driscoll. There wasn't a lot to go off of. Seemed fine. A capable backup. And again, there were a lot of issues with that offense. Kind of outside of Driscoll's control. And we're going to talk about it. Joe Mixon's the starting running back. He's really been the Bengals' most reliable weapon on offense. But because they keep losing and keep falling behind in games, his workload keeps getting cut down. He ran for 82 yards on Sunday. Almost averaged 7 yards a carry. But again, the Bengals needed to try to catch up that game, and he finished with 12 carries, so not a lot. Mixon, also a good receiving back in space. The RB2, Giovanni Bernard, or as Anthony Lynn referred to him as the scat back, he's become more of a passing back out of the backfield. Actually tied for the most on the team in catches with six on Sunday. They like to use him out of the backfield. With A.J. Green out, this will be the Chargers' main concern. If they can jump out early, limit Mixon's carries, Cincinnati's going to have to lean on Jeff Driscoll's arm, and if they're going to be conservative with him again, it'll be easy to pile on the Bengals early and get that game out of reach. With A.J. Green done for the year, Alex Eckerson takes over the open wide receiver spot, and Erickson did nothing on Sunday to think that he can help spark this wideout unit. Tyler Boyd becomes a new featured wideout. He's been a solid option on the outside. He actually leads the team in receiving this season. A.J. Green's been banged up most of the year. He only needs 62 more yards to hit the 1,000-yard mark this season. He also led the team in yards Sunday with 97, most of that coming early in the game before taking a shot in the head. Everyone had high hopes for John Ross, myself included, but he's kind of just been a one-trick pony this year, but he's speedy. He's got the speed to get behind a defense, but really hasn't put the yards to back it up. Ross has only eclipsed 50 yards receiving once this year and hasn't had more than three catches a game this season either. But what Ross has done is scored touchdowns. He's got five on the year, and he's third on the team in receiving touchdowns behind A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd. There is some speed on that field with Tyler Boyd and John Ross. With the performance from both corners, Casey Hayward and Michael Davis last week, this is the week they both got to try to get back on track. They got a big matchup coming up in two weeks, well, a week and a half, against the Chiefs. So hopefully they can use this to boost the confidence going into that game on the road on a Thursday night. Another player is going to have to shoulder the load for the Bengals through the air with the absent of A.J. Green is tight end C.J. Uzama. The Broncos linebackers had some issues with Uzama. He had 33 yards receiving, but... One of them came on a 20-yard reception, and he actually looked to get open a lot during that game. Luckily, the Chargers have Des King in the slot. They've also got Adrian Phillips, who's manning that linebacker role right now. That's going to be a pretty good matchup for Phillips and Des this Sunday. This offensive line unit, not the Bengals' line of old. In fact, they're almost night and day in comparison. The Cincy O-line used to be their strength, but they let all their veterans go. They're stuck with a well-below-average replacement unit right now on Sunday, the Bengals had to mix and match their linemen because of injuries to guys like Jake Fisher and Cordy Glenn, and the result was not very good. Clint Bowling made his season debut at left tackle last week against the Denver Broncos, and the normal right guard Trey Hopkins had to flip the left guard for the first time in his career last Sunday. At halftime, every player on the Bengals' offensive line had earned themselves a penalty, and they were in reverse the majority of that game. Driscoll was sacked four times, was hit nine times last week. Because the penalties kept piling up, the Bengals only converted five of their 13 third downs because they were constantly playing behind the sticks. Eight of those 13 third downs were for 10-plus yards. Last week for the Chargers, 
Phillip Rivers was perfect in the second half on third downs, and the defense held Pittsburgh to 0-3 and three on third downs after halftime, so the Chargers defense did their job in the second half. Hopefully carry that over, ride that momentum this week against Cincy, turn the screws on this offense on money downs. The right tackle, Bobby Hart, also a mess. Of course, he's going up against the best in the business, Von Miller, but there was a goal line play where Miller got through and Driscoll was yelling at Hart after the play. The cohesiveness isn't there for Cincinnati behind an inexperienced quarterback in Jeff Driscoll and a patchwork offensive line. They're going into a game with Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa at 100%. Now, on the other side, the Bengals' defense has the worst third-down defense in the NFL. Let's start up front. This D-line is a good one. Carlos Dunlap, Geno Atkins highlight that group. And if Wiz is going to force it up the middle again this week like he did with Austin Eckler in the first half last week, they will most likely get the same result. Earlier I mentioned Jeff Driscoll was sacked four times, hit nine times. Well, on the other side, the Cincy pass rush only got one sack on Keenum and only had four QB hits on the day last week. They are a stout group. They can rush the passer, but have struggled to do so as of late. On the ground, they got ran over last week by Philip Lindsay. He had 167 yards on the ground, reached the end zone twice. And now, I hesitate to mention again this week, like I did last week, that Austin Eckler and Philip Lindsay have the same running style. Because two weeks ago, the Broncos played the Steelers, and Lindsay went for over 100 yards on the ground, had a touchdown, and then Sunday night, Eckler had 13 carries for 21 yards. Austin Eckler didn't get the same result as Philip Lindsay did, against the Pittsburgh run defense. So this week, hopefully, there's a new game plan. Maybe a little bit more Justin Jackson on the ground. Hopefully he can take advantage like Phil Lindsay did. This seems like another matchup that'll benefit Eckler, even Justin Jackson on the ground. Get him in space. Get him one-on-one with these Bengals linebackers. And that'll be good news. Most of the Bengals' pressure comes from the interior. Geno Atkins, of course. Carlos Dunlap is an end. They both have seven sacks apiece. Sam Hubbard and Jordan Willis are the edge rushers. They're going to be going against the tackles this week. And Sam Tevy is now going to be the starting right tackle. And it's going to be interesting with Sam Tevy this week because even though Joe Barksdale was hurt during the season, they were doing a lot of mixing and matching with Joe Barksdale and Sam Tevy, where Sam Tevy would start or Joe Barksdale would start the next week or one would get half the game, the other would get the other half. Well, Joe Barksdale's gone. He's out the door. He recently got picked up by the Arizona Cardinals. So let's see what happens with Sam Tevy because it's his job. He doesn't have to look over his shoulder anymore. He doesn't have the pressure of having to rotate snaps, having to get in a rhythm. He doesn't have anybody behind him anymore. Trent Scott is the backup, but he's not a threat to take his job. So Sam Tevy can hopefully use this as inspiration that it's his job, get in a rhythm, hopefully get into a groove here. He's been pretty good in the run game early on in the year, but... He's had his struggles for sure, and it looks like the Chargers will probably have to look that way in the draft, looking at a right tackle, free agency or the draft, at least look at that position in the offseason, if it keeps going the way it's going. Now, Sam Tevy can improve and have a strong close to the end of this year. He's got a right tackle spot in 2019. Maybe have some competition, of course, but it's his job right now, today, starting this week against Cincinnati. Hopefully he takes the reins. Hopefully he improves. For the linebackers, Vontez Perfect is the most recognizable name of this linebacker group, but you won't recognize his recent play because of the injuries that are piling up. 
He looks like a shell of his former self, a little bit slow. He got broken off by Philip Lindsay, and he took it 65 yards to the house. He's had some troubles, and the injuries do not help. Nick Vigil, their Sam linebacker, has been out for four games because of a knee injury. He made his return last week, and it did not look like he was ready for it. Vigil was a big part of the success for the Denver ground game. He was too slow to process things, and Vigil hurt the team more than he helped when he came back. And Nick Vigil's a big part of that defense since he's been drafted. We'll see if Nick bounces back this week. A name that you might recognize, especially during the draft season, was Malik Jefferson. He was a linebacker the Chargers were kind of tied to. Charger fans are very familiar with him. He had his connections with the team. A lot of guys liked him as a mid-round pick. He got picked by the Bengals in the third round. But Cincinnati refuses to play him on defense. Now he gets some special team snaps. And I was excited to see what Malik Jefferson had because I was a fan of his during the draft. I wasn't a huge fan, but I liked his play. And third round, I thought it was a good spot for him. But man, I have no clue why the Bengals don't put Jefferson on the field. But boy, does that remind you of something. A day two pick selected to be part of an organization's future, but the coaches are keeping him off the field. Hmm. Man, why does that sound so familiar? God, I can't quite put my finger on it. Moving on to DBs. Uh, For the corners, William Jackson is their best corner, though he's kind of going through a sophomore slump in his second year in the league. Outside of Jackson, the Bengals just don't have it. Dre Kirkpatrick, Darquiz Denard look like more like rotational corners than they do starting NFL caliber corners. William Jackson is good, struggling a little bit, but Chargers shouldn't have too much problems on the outside. The safety group, though, nice. Free safety Jesse Bates is so good. Bates and Derwin have kind of been in a race all season to see which rookie was the best safety and if either of those safeties could land at number one among the PFF grades in the league. Derwin has pulled away. He's now number four among all safeties, and Jesse Bates lands at number 11. This is going to be a preview of some of the best young safety products in the league Sunday between Jesse Bates III out of Wake Forest and Derwin James out of Florida State. Their strong safety, Sean Williams, has been okay this season, not great, but Sunday, he actually looked pretty solid. Was by far their best run defender, including those big dudes up front. Williams kept the Bengals in that game early with a pair of impressive run stops in the second quarter. I liked what I saw from him near the line of scrimmage, but from some of the other games I watched, he was kind of up and down. But, you know, on Sunday, he looked good against the Broncos. So on Sunday... The Bengals' offense revolves around two guys now with A.J. Green out. It's running back Joe Mixon and Tyler Boyd. You can probably throw it in tight end Uzama if you want to, but those are the guys. Des and Adrian Phillips against Uzama is not going to be a problem. At least shouldn't be an issue. Tyler Boyd and John Ross stretching Casey Hayward and Michael Davis out could be a problem, but just stop the run. Joe Mixon is the guy now. Marvin Lewis still wants the ground and pound. Hopefully Rivers and the offense can jump out to an early lead get Joe Mixon out of the plans for the offense. They may open the playbook a little bit more for Jeff Driscoll, so there should be chances to get some turnovers if they do so. The Bengals' offensive line is reeling, and they will be vulnerable, especially on the edges, against Bobby Hart and Clint Bowling. So Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram should have a day on Sunday. The Bengals are the worst third down D in the NFL. Rivers will need to take it to them, convert those, jump on them early. Keenan Allen... Should have a good day, too. The middle of the field is weak on that Bengals defense. The Chargers O-line is going to have to limit Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap. 
Michael Schofield is coming off his worst game of the year, so Mike Pouncey is probably going to have to help out on Geno this week. But, man, those are two good interior defenders. Chargers are going to need to watch out for Atkins and Dunlap. Ultimately, with Andy Dalton and A.J. Green out for the year, this is a time that this team is probably eyeing the 2019 draft. What I will say is the Chargers will need to get going early. Enough of the sleepwalking through the first half. Use this game to get things right before Kansas City. Don't let the Steelers win serve as an emotional letdown this week. The Bengals are not good, and they should not win this game. I got the Chargers at 28-10. I think this is a game, you might call it a tune-up game, but hopefully this isn't the game where they overlook the Bengals or looking towards that Thursday night showdown in Kansas City in primetime again. And hopefully they're not just riding high, a little bit too confident after that big win in Pittsburgh. Hopefully they take care of business here against the Bengals because this is a team that isn't very good. Probably a team that might be playing for something only because Marvin Lewis wants to keep his job. Players want to put some good film down. Players don't want to give up, of course. But I'm sure there's some guys in that locker room that are starting to mail it in a little bit. Look like it on Sunday against the Broncos. And, you know, this time of year, if you're not close to the playoffs, might as well help your draft stock. So, hopefully the Chargers do win. I've got them winning 28-10. We'll see if we'll do a podcast next week. I know it's a big matchup against the Chiefs, but I got a lot going on next week. And the game's on Thursday when this podcast released, so if I were to release it, it would probably be on Wednesday. We'll see, though. I appreciate you guys listening. Again, all you score morons showing love. Listen to this podcast week in and week out, telling your friends about it, getting everybody involved. So we got a group of score morons here. I appreciate all of you because this thing's grown and I, I love it. And I love you for it. So I'm at Garrisisty on Twitter. The account is at ScoreMorePod. Let's just hope. Charger score more on Sunday. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.